you are receiving this transmission, you are reclaiming the faith with Phil Baker on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Welcome to episode 41 of Reclaiming the Faith, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. I'm your host, Bill Baker. Now let's dig into history. Hey, y'all, thank you so much for taking time to listen to Reclaiming the Faith. And I say this every episode, but thank you so much for your prayers for me and my podcasting partners, BDK and Justin Fall of the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Thank you for your prayers for my family. Guys, it is so important, and we are so thankful for them. Today, we're jumping into chapter nine of my book, New wineskins, and the simple words of Christ. When we become born again into Jesus's kingdom, it can feel like he is turning our worldview upside down. However, it's crucial to remember that we all enter life with an inverted perspective of reality. Jesus is actually helping to set everything right side up again. And here in chapter 9, we look at how adopting Jesus's worldview helps us to live with better spiritual eyesight and to be more effective in fighting the spiritual battles that we all face. This book, New Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ, can be found on Amazon. And if it's a blessing to you, I want to encourage you to please leave an honest review there. And similarly, If you're blessed by this episode, you can please leave an honest review on my iTunes channel in a rating uh, called Reclaiming the Faith, and that'll help other people to find more easily these shows of uh, Reclaiming the Faith. So thank you for that. Before I get into a little bit more of the show notes, uh, I want to give you a preview of one of the songs off my upcoming EP, The Shadows EP, and this is a song called Lightning, and uh, it's about the return of Jesus and how we should live in light of his return. So here you go. We are wanderers and strangers in imminent danger from lust of this world. Don't be enamored by shadows substance the Father holds is kept for His church like lightning flashes in the night sky coming back for your bride Lord haste the day when we see So that was Lightning off my upcoming EP, The Shadows EP, seven-song EP. And uh, just as a heads up, that's going to be available. It's going to be released on February 19th. It's a Tuesday. So I really want to encourage y'all to check that out, whether it's getting through iTunes or on Amazon, CD Baby, um, streaming it on Spotify. 
yeah, just go check it out and share it with your friends. Well, I want to tell you all about a podcast that I really love. It's my my wife Stephanie Baker's podcast called The Faithful Podcast. And you can find that on uh, faithfulpodcast.podbean.com or on iTunes, The Faithful Podcast with Stephanie Baker. And she's got a really great uh, interview with her sister, who's a full-time missionary in Mozambique for the last uh, about 11 years. And so she's had uh, just, she's gone through a lot. <laughs> and uh, she's still an incredible one of, woman of God, uh, very strong, um, strong servant uh, for the kingdom. And that podcast will surely bless you if you go check that out. Uh, also, you can find details about my podcast, the blog, the book, the music, everything you can find at philsbaker.com, philsbaker.com. But you can definitely find this show, of course, at reclaimingthefaith.podbean.com as well. If you want to contact me, you can email me at emailphilsbaker at gmail.com. I'm blessed to be a part of Justin Falls Fourth Watch Radio Network, along with BDK of Omega Frequency, who I do a monthly Q&A show with called Ready With an Answer. And if you have any questions about things that you hear on this podcast or BDKs or Justin, uh, feel free to email us, email me or BDK, and we will answer your questions on our Q&A podcast show called Ready With an Answer. And that happens about once a month where we will read your questions and answer them, really taking time to give a thorough explanation of those biblically. So please go check that out. Finally, the anti-Nicene quotes that I use can generally be found on the CD-ROM version of the Anti-Nicene Fathers, which you can find and you can uh, purchase for a mere $5 on the Scroll Publishing website, scrollpublishing.com. All right, well, without any further ado, let's get into episode 41, chapter 9 of my book, Seeing Things for the First Time. Have you ever had your worldview turned upside down? It's a bit unsettling. When I arrived in Swaziland in 2004, one of the men who was part of the mission I was entering took my bag with one hand, grabbed my hand with the other, and started walking me down the road where we would be staying. We walked about a quarter of of a mile holding hands and talking like an old married couple. And honestly, I was a bit creeped out. (laughs) But his actions were totally normal there. In fact, the man was just being welcoming and hospitable. And it took a while for me to get adjusted to that culture because something I used to feel was wrong was now viewed as pure. When we become born again into Jesus' kingdom, it can also feel like he is turning our worldview upside down. However, it's crucial to remember that we all enter life with an inverted perspective of reality. Jesus is actually helping to set everything right side up again. Most of us were born into a democracy, and a democracy is extremely different than a kingdom. In a democracy, if we don't like our leaders, we can vote them out of office. If we don't like our laws, we can vote in different laws. In a democracy, the majority usually gets its way. And if you're like me, you were born again into the kingdom of God 
with a democratic mindset. You have been pouring new wine into old wineskins, and as a result, you have repeatedly, like me, been making messes. All kingdoms have a king, a domain, laws, values, and subjects. The kingdom of God is no different, and yet, because it is from heaven, it is completely different than all the kingdoms of the earth. The kingdom of God has no earthly king. Jesus is its king, and he will never stop being king, and no one has the right to change his laws. The kingdom of God has no geographic borders. It exists through whomever Jesus' spirit has free reign. Excluding the realm of heaven or his eventual millennial earthly reign, this is King Jesus' domain. Therefore, it is important for us to remember that no one is born into the kingdom of God. Jesus himself said in John chapter 3, verse 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So, how does this work? As I stated in chapter 1, Jesus gave his entire life for us. And if we repent of our sins and give our entire lives back to him, he gives his life back into us through the Holy Spirit and begins to transform us to become like him. We are born again into his kingdom. Now, when this happens, as Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, we get rescued out of the domain of darkness and transferred into or translated into Jesus's kingdom. The laws of the kingdom of God are first and foremost the commands of Jesus Christ, and many of these are found in King Jesus's inaugural, inaugural address in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, which is also known as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus's life illustrates the values of the kingdom of God, the way he treated those inside the kingdom, those outside the kingdom, and the things of this world. The subjects of the kingdom of God are those who have entered into a covenantal relationship with the king and love him, obey him, and reflect his nature to the world. We must remember that Jesus said to the Jews who longed for, Jesus, for God's kingdom to come on earth but refused to follow him, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. That's Matthew 21, verse 43. Now pause for a moment and reflect on where laws and values come from. Don't they derive from the worldview of those making them? Well, King Jesus' values and laws are expressions of his worldview. If you are a subject of God's kingdom, it is assumed that you will reflect the values of your king out of love for him. Therefore, it is important to understand Jesus' worldview. The Gospel of Mark gives us a crash course. There's no birth narrative in Mark's account. Jesus comes on the scene as a 30-year-old man ready to begin his ministry. Mark writes, Jesus came into Galilee, 
preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's Mark 1, verse 14 through 15. Jesus' declaration to the people of Galilee that the kingdom of God is at hand meant God's sovereign, dynamic rule had come to them. Now, Jesus didn't then give lengthy expository messages or a weekend self-help seminar to encourage people to think more positive thoughts. Instead, he embarked on a cosmic showdown and brought drastic life change. Seven times in the first chapter of Mark, the words unclean spirit or demon are used, and Jesus drives them all out. Keep in mind that Galilee was one of the most religious areas in the world at that time. These were God-loving, church-going people, and they were demonized. Mark could have just told one story and used one word, but instead he used the phrases seven times and alluded to many stories of deliverance. First, chapters are important in setting the foundation for a book. What do you think Mark was trying to reveal about Jesus' worldview? Well, I believe Mark was communicating the same worldview the Apostle John reinforced to the readers of his first letter when he wrote, We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That's 1 John 5 verse 19. And earlier in that same letter, he wrote, The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. That's 1 John 3, 8. John conveyed the same worldview Paul had communicated to the Ephesians a few decades earlier when he wrote, Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's Ephesians 6, 11 through 12. When Adam and Eve obeyed Satan rather than God, they made him their master. God had instructed them to rule over the earth and steward it. So, by transferring their allegiance to Satan, he became the de facto ruler of the earth, even though God was the ultimate ruler of everything. You can see Luke chapter 4, verse 5 through 8. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God, they rebelled against the source of all life. And as goes mankind, so goes the earth. Death and decay entered the world and trickled down to all aspects of the earth. Surprisingly, for Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom was not so much about taking people from earth to heaven, but about bringing a foretaste of the kingdom of heaven to people. Jesus came to show us how to again become pure, God-glorifying image bearers. The gospel of the kingdom 
means an eventual holistic reversal of the devil's works introduced after the fall. For this reason, to Jesus, the good news of the kingdom necessarily involves demonstrations to Satan that his time is short and that all who follow him will one day be vanquished. To Jesus, the good news of the kingdom began with his arrival and will be brought to fulfillment after he comes back. In what is called the Lord's Prayer, Jesus told, to, told us to pray, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's Matthew 6, 9 through 10. Clearly then, there are beings who are not doing God's will. Otherwise, he would not ask us to pray that his will would be done. Also, according to Jesus' words, there are areas on earth where his kingdom is not reigning. Therefore, he commands us to pray that both these things will take place on earth as they do in heaven. So, how will we come to know when the kingdom of God has come on earth? Well, King Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty, If I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 through 24, we read, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. The news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they began to bring him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Some people believe the disciples stopped preaching the gospel of the kingdom after Pentecost, but that is simply inaccurate. In Acts chapter 8 we read, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. The crowds heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city. They believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Well, what about Paul? Did he carry on Jesus' mission of preaching the kingdom of God? Did that message go out with a demonstration of power? Well, in Acts 19, verse 8 and 10 through 12, we see how God used Paul to start the church at Ephesus. He entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. And this took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried out from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. 
Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God more than 100 times, and his disciples continued to practice what he had started. Just as Jesus' message did not simply come with words, but with a demonstration of the power of God, so the disciples did as well. They definitely needed God's power to help them as they came against the forces of darkness. I was in Swaziland the first time I saw a demon come out of someone, and it may surprise you, but the person the demon came out of was not a local Saswati, but rather a professing Christian from America taking part in the mission trip. And I will call him Bob as I share the entry from my journal that night. My friend Bob, who is a Christian, has suffered from schizophrenia for six years. He has shared that when under stress or anxiety, he will hear audible voices that will berate him in cruel ways. Because of this condition, Bob is on medications that cause him to have a difficult time finding the words he desires to say and hinder his ability to remember things. About a week ago, I began to feel that God was going to heal Bob, and he wanted my friend Yako and I to be present. I waited and waited for God to confirm the promptings he seemed to be putting on my heart. Then tonight, while most of our group was watching a movie, Bob showed up at my door. Eventually, our conversation shifted to the power of God and how everything done through the disciples in the Gospels and Acts can be done now because we have the same Holy Spirit living inside of us as they did. I felt God prompting me to say something about how I felt God wanted to heal him. And Bob told me, That before he came to Africa, his mom told him that she believed God was going to heal him during the trip. Bob told me that he had a dream that the leader of our trip came into his room while he was sleeping and touched his head and his stomach. He became stiff and then felt relaxed. Bob told me he believed God could heal him. He went back to his room to pray and to read Luke chapter 10. And I went to go get Yako. As Yako and I stood outside of Bob's room, we felt that God wanted us to cleanse our hearts. So we asked God to remove any sin from us and fill us with the Holy Spirit. When we went into Bob's room, he told Yako he believed that a demon was inside of him, causing him to hear the voices. So Yako placed his hand on Bob's head, and I put my hands on Bob's stomach and back. Then we began to pray. For five minutes, Yako asked Jesus to bring Bob total healing in the name of Jesus, but nothing happened. Suddenly, I began to feel the demon inside of Bob was laughing at us, and a chill shot up my spine. But then I heard a different voice, calm yet stern. God told me I must open my mouth and through the power of the Holy Spirit, cast the demon out in the name of Jesus. If I did not open my mouth, 
the demon would stay. So I began to pray out loud. As I began to say the simple words the Holy Spirit gave me, Bob began to breathe heavily, and then he became tense and stiff. Different areas of his back started to pulsate. The Spirit enabled me to speak more boldly and rebuke the, name, the demon in the name of Jesus, casting it out of Bob, never to return. As I was saying those words, a long, bellowing, gurgling growl began to proceed out of Bob's mouth. It was by far the craziest noise I have ever heard come out of a human. It was not of this world. Bob began to cough up fluid for about three or four minutes, and then he went totally limp. In that moment, Yako said the demon was completely gone, and I felt God telling me to pray for his Holy Spirit to fill Bob. As we prayed, Bob stood up, looked at us, and said, I feel different. I've never felt like this before. It was amazing. It was totally God. I have been praying for God to do something like this in my life for the past seven months or so, and all I can do is praise and thank God as I stand in complete awe of His power and grace. That's the last of the entry from my journal that day. Now, I realize that for some of you, at least part of this story caused you trouble. How could a Christian have a demon? If we are bought with a price, owned by God, and the temple of the Holy Spirit, how could we also be possessed by a demon? And I agree, that can't be possible. But don't jump to the conclusion that Bob wasn't a Christian, because he was. The issue lies in the word many Bibles translate as demon-possessed. All Greek words have a lexical range, which means that they can have multiple meanings and uses, usages. Strong's Concordance defines daimonitsomai as I am possessed, I am under the power of an evil spirit or demon. Strictly speaking, the word means demonized. Derek Prince in his book, They Shall Expel Demons, states, To be possessed by a devil or demon implies the person is owned by a devil or demon. But there is no basis for this in the word, Greek word daimonizo, which conveys no suggestion of ownership, but merely means to be subject to demonic influence. In my opinion, if a person is not born again, he or she is subject to both demonic oppression and demonic possession. Also, the scripture provides for the possibility that Christians can be demonized or tortured by demons as I will discuss in a later chapter. Because evil spirits exist throughout the world, and our struggle is with them and not with other humans, 
it makes sense that a value of the kingdom of God is to not commit acts of violence toward others. Such actions do nothing to deter or defeat the real enemy and only serve to reinforce and perpetuate the values of Satan's kingdom. I realize that it can be scary when your worldview is shaken. But do not be afraid, for God does not give us a spirit of fear. Also, know that King Jesus has not come to turn turn your world upside down, but rather to turn things right side up again. Remember the encouraging words Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. If you are in Christ, there are spiritual weapons at your disposal that have divine power to demolish demonic strongholds. So may you be a mighty warrior for the kingdom of God and fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. May you be strong and courageous, resist the devil, and watch him flee from you. May you draw near to God and see him draw near to you. And may God's kingdom come and his will be done in your life as it is in heaven. God bless you. Like a soldier who's left